0: Hello there and welcome to the podcast, People for Questions. We want to take time to say thank you for downloading our podcast and listening to it. We certainly hope that it will bring edification to you, that you have a better knowledge and understanding who Christ is and His desire for all of us, and it would bring glory to God in high. Today we're going to talk about humble beyond words. Humble beyond words. And if you want to open your Bibles and follow along, I would encourage you to do so. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah chapter 43, here in a few moments. Before we begin, I want to encourage everybody to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com and be sure to check out our prayer request page there, our statement of faith, and other ways of getting to know us are there on that webpage and how to contact us as well. You can also contact us at biblicalquestion at gino.com all lowercase all one word and you can also contact us through the web page as well there is a contact form there and we average about 70 to 100 hits a week on that web page and so people are going there to look at the prayer request page is actually the the number one uh, hit on the count list there and so if you're a prayer warrior and have not looked at that prayer list please do so and write them down And I realize, for those who go back and look, it doesn't change dramatically from week to week. Uh, But please pray for those people. I know I've said it in previous podcasts, some of those folks are are living in third world countries. They go to an internet cafe, they download our podcast, and then they take it home and listen to it. But they have to pay to use that internet service. It's unlike the the United States. Most people in America do not understand an internet cafe. But anyhow, uh, these people are really taking some serious steps to to want to contact us and ask for prayers. And of course, we do have people from the United States and Canada uh, who have prayer requests there as well. So again, today we're going to talk about Jesus and how he was humble beyond words. And before we go too far here, I'd like to read a, a Bible verse. It's actually in Colossians chapter 1. So mark your Bible there if you already opened it to Isaiah 43. Colossians one 15 through 15-17 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible thrones, or dominions, or rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him, And for him, verse 17, he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. How many times have you wandered in your life? I know I've wandered several. Uh, where Where did God really come from? After all, we just read this scripture reading. I think it makes it pretty clear that uh, all things were created by him and for him. And of course, that is referring to Jesus, uh, who is actually God. And that very power uh, is displayed throughout the universe. And the universe cries out of an awesome power of his creation. This is not necessarily a, a new question. People you know, have had this uh, kind of question clear back even to the, in the days of the prophet Isaiah. And so that's where we're going to begin. And we're going to be in Isaiah back and forth here. So if you want to mark uh, Isaiah as we turn around here, that would be great. If you want to take notes, I would encourage you to do that too. I had a couple of people email me uh, last week saying that that was a good idea. In it. So they like to take notes and they're using uh, the podcast actually to help them in their Bible studies. We are so blessed. Uh, may God have the glory for that. We are just so happy. Isaiah chapter uh, 43 verses 8 through 13, and I will be using the New American Standard Update. It's generally the, the Bible that I use. Bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together, so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us The former things. Let them present their witness. That they may be justified. Or let them hear them say. It is true. Verse 10. You are my witness. Declares the Lord. And my servant. Servant whom I have chosen. So that you may know and believe me. And understand that I am he. Before me. There was no God formed. And there will be. None after me. Verse 11 I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. I am God. Even from eternity I am He and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? You know, God simply just puts it out there for all who want to listen and read this text. He is God. There is not a single being like Him anywhere in the universe. He has the ultimate power to proclaim every event in the past. Verse 9 says so. What man can do this? God asks. The clear answer is, uh, no man could do that. God goes on to say here in verse 10 again, there are no other gods before him or after him. So what is eternity? Can you and I really grasp this thought or time frame in our minds? I personally don't think so at all. We we sing there's a song, uh, we bow down, and and the song and the words say you are the Lord of creation and the Lord of my life, the land and of the sea, you were the Lord of the heavens before there was time, and all and Lord all things you will be. And as we sing that song, do we do we really stop and think about who God is? The creator of the entire universe is amazing, and everything in it that we can see and not see, it was created by God. And as we read in our scripture reading, all things were created by Him and for Him. By His very Word, He spoke it everything into existence. So, who has such awesome power uh, in your neighborhood? Who has that kind of power in your house? Nobody. No one. We also have a God who is pure beyond words, beyond that you and I could probably ever grasp as sinners. The Apostle John will tell us, when the prophet Isaiah had his vision of a throne room, it was Jesus that he saw. In in Isaiah chapter 6, in the first five verses. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. In the year of King Uzzah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Angels stood above him, each having six wings. With the two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, this is Isaiah speaking, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, Moses was told that no man could see God's face and live. Isaiah, my guess, knew this and and was deathly afraid he was about to die. As God passed in front of Moses, God covered Moses' face with his hand so that Moses could not see his face. It might be a difficult thing for us to understand in the flesh how God is timeless, blameless, and yet he is all-powerful. However, we we might think of this, and we, we really must accept it as, as God's truth, because God cannot lie. And then as promised in the Garden of Eden, the the creator of the entire universe will humble himself to become a man. He was then conceived in a womb of a human being. Born into this world as a human being. He had to rely on a human mother to nurse him, to change his diaper, and to raise him. He he had to learn to read and write. Joseph would have this task of his earthly father to provide food and shelter. And as Jesus would grow and mature into adulthood, his earthly parents must have seen the responsibility and and, and knew they they must know and obey the laws of Moses. He would have to to follow, in reality, his own law in the flesh to to perfection. How many of us would like to think that Jesus had an advantage because of his deity, saying that he's God? We're absolutely wrong in this thinking. Otherwise, we would be able to lay the claim on the day of judgment for excuses as to why we sinned and he did not. Or we call Jesus a liar and saying that he cheated and tipped into, dipped into his deity bucket any time he wanted? Read with me here in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse uh, 51. Here is Jesus. He is uh, 12 years old here. And he said, "It went down and they came with him to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, and favor with God and men. You know, we might be thinking, well, that's not big, big of a deal of, of Emmanuel coming as a man. But oh, how it is. The very being who called the very universe into existence has to learn how to rely on two people to raise him and to protect him as an infant and into his adulthood. This is one example that shows us how humble and the humility that Jesus has. How much more humble could you get? The scriptures are clear how Christ was hungry, thirsty, tired. He wept, he mourned for the loss of a friend, and he was tempted in every way. Every human feeling, Jesus, he has them. Continue thinking of this way for just a moment. And then after 30 years, you begin the very thing that you came to this earth to do. You begin to preach and teach to all who would listen about your kingdom. You prove that you are God by raising the dead. I have yet to see anybody else raise the dead. You prove it by healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, and giving the hearing to the deaf. Showing that you have power over nature, you calm storms, and all the while teaching people the importance of repentance and commanding people to sin no more. In the meantime, uh, the, your enemies, they, they plot against you. You knew that they would. Because it was foretold in the prophets and the scriptures. They they show hate for you. They mock you. And then they they try to turn your friends against you. They lie about where your powers are coming from and under all that stress that would break most men's back or destroy their desire to push on to the goal you endure you push on because you know what the mission is all about you know where the victory lies and you want to protect your image you see because you're created man in your own image. You know that sin has to, has done and how it's broken the relationship. Your image is there and there's only one way to fix it. You must press on to the goal. Failure is not an option. Then three years later, uh, you're... You have your followers, and, and you have the favor of the majority of the people. You make a triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. The people of the city are proclaiming, Hail, King of the Jews. They're proclaiming you king. Deep inside, though, you, you know the kingship they are calling for. is much different than what you left behind 30-some years ago. Within days, this crowd will turn against you. You will make one last plea to the leaders of your people, and they will turn against you in just a matter of hours. They will unlawfully put you on trial. They will send you to the Gentiles to stand trial there too. The entire world will see their king paraded around like a common criminal, both Jew and Gentile are without excuse. The very people who should have known who you are have sealed the deal. They push the Roman governor more and more, and they call for your death with each breath. You've been put on trial one last time before Pilate, and they let a guilty man go free of the sentence, and they hang it on you you're going to be crucified. You will hang on a cross until you're dead. Not before you are brutally beaten and what it feels like within inches of your life. You're mocked upon. You're spit upon. You're treated worse than a stray dog. You're handed over to the executioner and they make you carry your own cross but you cling to it you cling to your cross and you carry all the way to your execution along the way people are really in a mixed emotional frenzy estate you know deep inside the only way to help them now is to continue to carry that cross and so you push on When you arrive to the location where they're going to execute you, they remove all your clothing for the entire world to look at you as part of the shaming process. They drive nails into your hands and feet. You never once fight back. You never curse the soldier who who tears your flesh with the nails. In fact, you fight for every breath that you need. Each time you, you pull up and push down on your hands and your feet, great pain and, and splinters enter your back. You can't wipe the blood out of your eyes that are burning, and you can't swat at the biting insects. The woman who, who gave you birth at your feet is weeping, she is lost and confused right now. However, you had the knowledge of the mystery. Her pain and and those who followed you for the past three years, their suffering and fears will soon be over. You watch the soldiers gamble over your blood-stained clothes. Two others are being executed that day, too. One on each side of you. One mocks you, and the other acknowledges you as the Christ. You breathe your last, and you die. Your body is removed after one last thrust of a Roman spear to, to make sure that you're really dead. Your, your dead body is placed in a borrowed tomb, and the stone is rolled over the entrance, and, and the people from whom you taught walk away in complete loss. We need to strive to understand the complete humility and the great love the creator of the universe went through for all of us. We need to get off of our high horse. In other words, stop thinking so good about ourselves. Because we can do nothing to save ourselves. And we need to start humbling ourselves before the Lord God himself. And see, there is nothing in reality about us that is righteous. The only one who has any right to think well of himself is Jesus. To put it this way, I think the Apostle Paul writes it well in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll, we'll close this podcast out. Starting in verse 5. This is the English version for the deaf. In your life together, think the way Christ Jesus taught. He was like God in every way. But he did not think that he was being equal with God. with was something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything. Even in his place with God. He accepted the role of a servant appearing in human form. And during his life as a man, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even that causes death, death on a cross. You and I may struggle with the glory of God and, and how much he really did humble himself. To the point of this, it's a fact. He did it. He is God. He did not have to do it, but he loved us so much that he is willing to give his own life. The scriptures say so, and again, it's up to us to live our lives in an order to think the way Christ thought and taught. This is to live in complete obedience and humility, putting Christ first and then every single person above you. I mean, this is what Christ did. This is the example. If we do anything less than the perfect example that's set by Christ, we're not following in his footsteps as he commanded. I certainly hope, it, as you're listening today, is a little sobering podcast, even for, for the speaker, to realize what Christ really gave up To come here to save me. To save you. The pain and suffering that he went through for us. There is uh, no words to describe. What he went through. Can you imagine everybody in in your family. Completely turned against you. And hated you and wanted you dead. And they go out to figure out how to do that. Can you imagine how you would feel? It's probably beyond comprehension or understanding because I certainly hope that nobody feels that way and I, I know there's people in certain countries of the world when they find Christ and they obey the gospel and they're trying to be faithful and they're trying to learn who Jesus is, their family does turn against them and they kill, them. they stone them. I know that goes on in this world today in 2020. We need to pray for the persecuted church and and those who are persecuted for seeking him out wanting to know who he is and owning a Bible or wanting a Bible. We in the Western world haven't really got the full flavor of persecution. Well we've been persecuted in different ways but not at the extreme in Muslim countries. And so we we really, truly need to pray for those who are really hurting. Can't get a job, can't rent out a house, can't buy food, all because they have turned to Christ and proclaimed themselves to be a Christian. Please be sure again to visit our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase. There you can find links to uh, our LinkedIn account as well as our Twitter account. We do post things from time to time. There are uh, different articles and news events uh, that affect uh, Christians around the world. As we find them and get time uh, to post those, we do that. and It is another way for us to communicate with our listeners. And so please be sure to follow us if you have a LinkedIn or Twitter account. Facebook is not real friendly to us. We've tried setting up several times, and some reason it keeps failing. But anyway, uh, also, submit your Bible questions uh, in your positive comments to our webpage. There we have a, a contact us page as well, and a prayer request page. Please pray for those people. Please uh, be sure to tell your friends and family about us, and hit that like button, and that five-star rating, whatever, depends, that heart on your... Uh, your personal podcast app again thank you for listening may god bless you and may he have glory